Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. Dear friends gathered, I'm just going to invite you to pray with me if you're comfortable. And we're just going to ask God bless the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, um, as we've come to hear from you, convince your people that they didn't just go to church today. No, they met with Jesus. And as they saw you, continue to change them. And Lord, uh, make the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So welcome to Amazing Love. And this is the week after Easter, uh, but we have not yet gotten over Easter. There is a victory celebration. In fact, every Sunday is one of victory. It kind of reminds me of things that you don't soon get over. They just set new realities. Like you never really get over having children. There's a new reality. You never really get over getting married. It's a new destination. You never really get over being on the prices, right? Which I was, and it was awesome. <laughs> one a bedroom set, my friends. And so today we realize that Easter might have happened last Sunday, but no, Easter is every Sunday. In fact, it changed the Christian church. They used to worship on Saturday, now it's Sunday, so we can celebrate Jesus coming out of the tomb. And what we have is not an anticipation, but a culmination and hopes fulfilled. We have victory, and I am now a leader in a victory parade saying Christ is risen. We have hope. So good to see you. And sometimes events happen that initiate a new era. I am really hoping that we don't have a new era in Blackhawks history. I'm sorry, guys. This would not be a good new era. I am hopeful, though, that this is a new era. We can win two. We can win three, four, five. I consider all the new eras that, that are socially happening. Uh, this year we saw a new era politically. Um, if you watch entertainment news, you saw that there's a split which creates a new, sorry, Ben and Jen. And probably the biggest news so far is the new era of unicorn-flavored stuff. I'm not sure how much other, does it taste, anyone have one of these? Okay, does it taste like a unicorn? <laughs> okay, all right. Cool, cool. Uh, and I just remember all the different new eras I had as a parent. And some of them were just really glorious to get to. I don't know if anyone remembers when your child is done just crying and can finally communicate with you. Like sentences, wasn't that a great new era? And probably even better was when diapers were done, Right? Right? You know, that didn't happen overnight, by the way. But when they were done, now I have five extra dollars to waste at Target. But anyway, uh, when diapers are done, that's a great new era. Uh, at the Bloomer household, we're in a new era, right? Uh, our, our girls are our young little ladies, which bring a, a lot of other things that I won't explain. And, and we're just new eras happening all the time. So good things. Good things, though, friends. Churches go through new eras. In fact, what you need to know is that we're going to renovate this space. It's going to be awesome couple months, it's going to be transformed so we can bring our best to God in this arena. If you've ever had problems hearing here, those problems of hearing will dissipate, we hope. 
new eras. Well, really, we've come not to talk about unicorn frappuccinos, have we? Um, and I want to welcome you again if you're visiting today or watching online. We've come to talk about spiritual matters today. And let's be honest, sometimes we need new eras spiritually. Because uh, sometimes we've been fighting against sins that we just can't shake. We have those track records, those pitfalls that we just like to be done with once and for all. Or sometimes it just, it feels like we, we need a new season, a new season, um, a, a new dedication to God, a new freshness from God. It may have felt dry. We need a new season. Maybe for some of you, you just need to start for the first time uh, what it is to walk with God. Maybe God is going to establish a new era for you. Well, I love the hope that Easter brings. In fact, one of my favorite passages in the New Testament that I've shared before I want to share again is this one. It says, in the spirit of him, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, which it is, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is radically good news, friends. The same spirit that rose Jesus is alive in you. And so what this means is we can live in a new era. Could you turn to someone next to you and say, he's making all things new. He's making all things new. He's making all things new. This is the greatness of the God that we follow. This is the power of God at our fingertips. And we see the newness based on what happened after Easter. Can I explain our story today? So I'm going to explain. And uh, what we have is uh, Peter's interaction with Cornelius, who was a Gentile. And before this, Peter had a vision from God. Now, I've been walking with Jesus a long time. I've never had a vision with God. In, in fact, uh, firmly, he speaks to us through the word, um, but, but that's enough for me. Um, but Peter, his experience, he saw a vision from God. And, and what, what he saw in this vision was food that he couldn't eat, including bacon. This is the bacon sermon, friends. The bacon sermon, because he saw pigs, and, and he's like, I'm not going to eat that. We can't eat that. We're Jews. That's, that's not clean. And, and, and Jesus was like, no, bacon's on the table. Don't call unclean what I made clean. And his diet changed. He probably gained a lot of pounds. I don't know. But anyway, um, bacon was on the table. But more significant than bacon was Cornelius. Because it was after this that, that Cornelius was sent to Peter, and Peter actually went to his house. And what he recognized, Jesus was doing something new among the Gentiles. Before, if you were a Gentile, you had to come to see this God. But no, no, no. Now you're going to go and tell many more people. You're going to find everyone and tell them what God had done. So he was sent to Cornelius' house, the Gentile from the Italian regiment. What we have today is that discussion. What Peter is learning is changing. This discussion of Peter and Cornelius. So let's get into it. Um, it's from Acts chapter 10, uh, the, the, the new Christian church. Uh, Peter is a leader in this. You can follow along in your worship folders, or you can follow along on the screen. It says, So then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is, how true it is that God does not show favoritism. But he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. You are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross but could you read this yellow part with me? Read this next line with me. 
but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Great job. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify he is the one whom God appointed as judge of living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with, with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So Peter goes to this house and, and they all get baptized and, and we recognize that this is a new era and we have a God who is for all people, radically wants all people to be saved. That's what we get discussed today. May God bless it. You know, this was a significant year for me personally um, because of someone that I had uh, an opportunity to meet. And there were people that I had put on a pedestal. And I don't know if you've met a celebrity before or maybe you've been, you know, around a girl you had a crush on one day. I don't know. But it, it almost feels like your heart's going to explode when, when you're around these people. Uh, the person that I, I met this year is on my Facebook, my BFF, Anthony Rizzo. Yep, yep. And it wasn't just Anthony Rizzo. My show-and-tell ball I got here, um, I got um, Len Casper, uh, so the announcer. I got Dexter Fowler, who's a cardinal now. Jorge Soler, also gone. And then Jason Hayward. And I'll never forget my experience with Jason Hayward. So I'm behind batting practice, and I'm yelling out because I want his autograph. And I'm like, hey, Jason, hey, Mr. Hayward, can I have your autograph? I don't know if he hears me. So for me, being a pastor, I, I can be loud, okay? Hey, Mr. Hayward, I, I'm right here. I got a ball. Can you sign it, Mr. Hayward? And I just keep on and on and on until he turns. And it wasn't really a good look, guys. And it's a little intimidating. Like, he's a big fellow. But um, he, he was nice enough. But he's like, I'm batting now. We'll get to you later. I, I don't know exactly what he said. But I remember my emotions. I'm like, I'm such a doofus. Jason Hayward does not like me right now. He heard everything that I said, and now we are never going to be BFF. But he did sign my ball, so thank you, Jason Hayward, right? I don't know if, again, you know what it is to get intimidated by celebrities, um, but we have in this society, in the way with people, uh, of a way of propping certain people up and putting others down. What we learn today about the heartbeat of God is that he does none of that. He has none of the nonsense. His heart doesn't beat any more fast with any one person. He just loves them all. In fact, I, I love what Peter said. Peter said this, God does not show favoritism. See, it's not just that there are Anthony Rizzo's and Tommy Lastella's. No, they're all good to God, right? They're all good. Um, and, and I think of how much our society needs this. Have you been watching what's going on in society? People all the time claiming for, for equal rights or freedom from oppression over minorities. And what they really need to know is, I believe, the heartbeat of God. Because if anyone gets it right of what it is to love all people completely, it is him. And so Peter found this out as he went to a Gentile's house. And what it really established is an identity of what heaven would look like someday. I think of what heaven is going to be like someday. It's a great picture. Um, in, in heaven, it says from Revelation, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, every tribe, every people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Sometimes I dream, and in my dreams, I wish the church of God would always look like this. You know what I'm saying? 
That the heartbeat of God in this place also would be, I don't care your gender, I don't care your age, I don't care your race, I don't care what language, but you are welcome here because God is a God for all. You can have reservations, you can be new to Christ, it doesn't matter. Welcome, you can belong. And what this establishes is a new era of outreach. A new era of outreach. That's your first fill in the blank. And um, I consider how God worked in the past. Before it was the nation of Israel, and if anyone would come like the Queen of Sheba, they had to go to that nation. They had to see. that They had to get on their horse and go to the nation. But now Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's not about them coming, it's about you going. In fact, the, the first word of the Great Commission is one command, is that word, go. But I need to warn you about this era that we now live in. I need to warn you that God is going to call you out of your comfort zone. That's part of this new era. He's calling you out of your comfort zone. In fact, when I, I, I think of following Jesus, oh, there's my ball. Okay. Sorry about that. Love you, Jason Hayward. Anyway, um, when God is calling you, he doesn't call you to comfortability. I don't find a scripture passage that says, my goal for you, your final destination is to retire. I'm not against retiring, by the way. And I'm not against comfortability either. But I just don't think that his final goal for you is to be completely comfortable. In fact, I am not sure that he gets his best out of you when you are. I actually think there is a link to the fruit that God produces out of you based on how uncomfortable you're feeling. And this is part of Peter. What you need to know about Peter and Cornelius' house is I think he was uncomfortable. Earlier, uh, before he went into the house, this is what he had to say. Um, in Acts 10, it said, You are well aware that it is our law for a Jew, or against our law for a Jew, to associate or visit with a Gentile. I believe this might have been Peter's first time in a Gentile's house. Maybe his first time sharing the gospel with someone who is not a Jew. I think this is worse than a dad being in the American Girl doll store. I mean, this is, right, this is Peter in Cornelius' house. This is just awkward, right? And, and I got to share something with you. It has been my experience as a pastor that it is almost always uncomfortable to do the greatest works that I do. To invite someone to church, like sometimes I feel my heart's going to explode. To tell someone on behalf of God, this is his will. Sometimes like, whoa, God, man. To work together again will take uncomfortability. In fact, I, I follow another pastor. His name is uh, Stephen Furtick. And, and the way he refers to it, uh, I got my other show and tell here, is olives. You know how you get that? tasty, extra virgin olive oil. What do you got to do with the olives? You got to squeeze them. That's the only way you get the oil. In fact, Stephen Furtick was talking about what happened to Jesus. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, which means oil press or olive oil press. And this is what he had to say. He said, I think it's significant that the Bible says Jesus prayed in the place of olive press because the only way you get oil from olive is to press the olive. The anointing of God is only produced under pressure. I think there's a lot of truth there. I think it is only when God again squeezes us sometimes that he then produces the best fruit and the best works that come out of us. So again, this is part of that new era. Now how does that relate to us at Amazing Love? We're on a radical mission. And I think one of the ways it relates is to the culture we're trying to produce here. 
Um, has anyone ever heard uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast? Anyone hear that phrase? Follow business and uh, Peter Drucker and, and now uh, the, the president of Ford. Uh, he's known for saying it. And uh, he's Pac-Man. Organizational culture eats strategy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What this means is that your environment that you're creating is more important than, than your strategy to implement. The, the place, the, the, the culture, again, the, the mood, the atmosphere is way more important even than the product you're trying to produce and how you're going about it. I think of amazing love. Do you know at this church, we're trying to remain outward focused. But does that happen without a squeeze? I don't think so. See, we get outward focus as we have the squeeze of servanthood, it's called. Or we're having a, a culture where we're trying to bring our best. Trying to bring our best. And, and bringing your best in effort. Is, is that always easy? Is that always comfortable? No, I think there is a squeeze in order to bring excellence. Or, or we're trying, again, to be relevant. And, and what relevance means is just we're going to continue to change as the world changes. Not the message, but the way we communicate. And what this means is there's going to be a squeeze in how we do things. And there's going to be new ways and, and new opportunities to do things. And all of this takes work. But I love the passage at the, the end of the Great Resurrection chapter. It says, though, you can give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, though knowing it is not in vain. And that's what we've gathered to do. So may God bless us, but we are in a new era of outreach. What it also established, though, after Easter, was a new era of worship. You consider what worship was. Only in the temple, bringing bulls and goats and doves. The priest would do all the praying. He would be your intercessor before God. And now Gentiles are involved. And Gentiles, they weren't even allowed in the church. Um, they weren't allowed in certain parts of the temple at Jerusalem. So what would they do? Now they're meeting in homes, and instead of bringing sacrifices, they're breaking bread, receiving the Lord's Supper. And what does the Bible say about their celebration, their, their worship style? Not much. Like, we don't even know what songs they sang, right? We don't know if it was guitar or organ. Probably neither. <laughs> we don't know much about their worship. All we know is that this must have been different and new and weird. But you know, in that day, change was not always appreciated. Do you know that? I was reading about Paul's life, and, and you might know that Paul died for his faith, but do you know why he was handed over? Because the Jews were mad at him for changing stuff. Before he was handed over, this is what it records in the book of Acts. It says, this man, this is what they were saying about him. He teaches men everywhere against our people and against our law and this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple area and defiled this holy place. It is from that moment, that riot, that Paul is again handed over to the authorities and would finally end up in Rome and some say be crucified. Because he was a change agent. And isn't it true that change is hard? In fact, I think change is hard. I mean, I consider uh, one change I don't like. I got a cell phone, and uh, lately my, my, my pocket's been buzzing a little bit more. And whenever my pocket buzzes, I'm like, oh, this is important. Maybe it's my wife. Maybe it's someone in ministry. But you know who it is? It's Jersey Mike's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they got a sale on giant subs. And I'm like, I was concerned about that. No. It's not a good change. Salespeople, you are not welcome on my cell phone. I don't want that change. 
I consider about moving. Has anyone moved in the past five years? How easy was that? Especially if you're selling your old house, right? I don't know if you sold during the recession, if you're buying somewhere new, meeting the new neighbors, hoping that's going to go well, hoping everything is okay. I remember the first two years in our new house, I was just hoping the whole thing didn't collapse. That's, that's how bad I was, you know, fearing that something would bad happen, right? And, and even in two years, I still don't know how to set the living room yet. You know what I'm saying? You still don't know how to use your house after a certain while. Change is hard. I consider how much things have changed even in the church of God and in our small church called the Wells. If you roll back 100 years ago, you'd have a lot of services in German, right? I don't speak German. Sprecher nicht viel Deutsch. That's what they did. I remember certain changes going from the King James Version, the these and the thous, um, to the NIV. And now we've changed from NIV to 84 to 2011. I remember being in a big church when we got a new hymnal. That was a hard change, friends. But things keep changing. And the world changes. So we change too. But why should we change? I think that's an important question. What's the heart behind our change? And what was the heart behind why they changed? I think the true heart came out in when James, the brother of Jesus, stood up. And he said, you know, people are turning to God and that is great. But, but instead of enforcing all these things that just we're familiar with, this is the new paradigm. James, he stood up and he said, so it's my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning toward God. If you've been a part of Amazing Love, we're, we're on a mission to reach the lost. And the reason we change is not willy-nilly, but we want to, as much as we can, as, as far as we can go, not make it difficult on those who might be new today. In fact, I'm hoping if it's your first time here, grab a donut. I'm hoping people were friendly. Uh, maybe they loved you too much. We're okay with that. Um, but, but we're so glad you're here. Because it shouldn't be difficult to hear the greatest news there is that you have a Savior who loves you radically. That's the heart behind our change. Paul said, I became all things to all people so that by all possible means I might win some. Do you think he changed a little bit? But it's hard for us, isn't it? Let's be real. I haven't always used every opportunity I had to go Sometime my heart beat and the thought I was going to faint kept me still in my shoes. And Jesus, he's the one who, uh, it was said of him, he didn't come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And he said that servanthood would be part of this. And yet I got to tell you, it is hard to be a servant. Because at the end of the day, there's a part of me that just wants my way. Come on. And I know you can relate on some level or another, but we need to be real that this isn't what is helpful for the church, and ultimately this is a, a sin, we call it. When selfishness gets in the way of love. When we are unwilling to do the things and go when God calls us to go. So let's leave that here. Let's pick up again. And let's look to Jesus. Because what doesn't change is our Savior. In fact, we have the same Jesus in every era. It's the same Jesus who Peter told Cornelius, do you know he's the way of peace? He brings forgiveness. He told Cornelius, do you know he was crucified on the cross? He died that death for you. But on the third day he rose again so that you could know you have victory. And we live in that victory. You are forgiven. I am forgiven for all of my sins, for my selfishness, for yours. It is done, friends. 
This same Jesus who is the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, he is the one who was and is and is to come. He is the same in every season saying, you are loved, you are forgiven, you are my child. And this Jesus is the heartbeat of this church. This Jesus is so good, I can't even put it into words. I wish you could just see him for who he is, then he'd be changed forever, but I gotta fumble and stumble and mumble around who he is, but he's greater than that, friends. This Jesus, he reminds me of style. I consider, um, have any of you lived long enough to see a style that was popular one age come back to another age? I was in the store with my wife, and she said this, this one style with spaghetti straps was popular when she was young. You're like, a pastor knows spaghetti straps? I do, friends. I shop. I'm still waiting for this one style to come back. Um, Zubas. Zubas and hammer pants. When that comes back, friends, be the first one at it. It's great. Styles will come and go, right? And you've seen the cyclical nature of that. What we find about Jesus, he's in style. He's classic in every age. And every age needs to hear of the hope that we have in him. And I want to talk about some same things about Jesus. There was a passage in our lesson. I wanted to bring you back here. It said that he went around doing good. He went around doing good. I love how generic that is about Jesus. He just did good stuff, right? I love that about Jesus. Like, like if you're a salesman, you sell stuff. If you're an accountant, you count stuff. I'm Jesus. I just do good stuff. That's just what I do. I'm Jesus. And so what we learn about, again, Jesus is that he's just going around doing good. It reminds me of this, uh, this character that I saw on Facebook, um, Ryan Hickman. Anyone hear about Ryan Hickman? He was uh, three years old. He started his own recycling company. He's now seven years old. He's raised $10,000 for his own college fund. He's a good young man, entrepreneur. Wish he had a, as a son for me. I wouldn't have to pay the college bill. But anyway, we'll get there. And, um, and Ryan Hickman, he's donating his money to a marine shelter uh, in Laguna Beach, California. He raised $1,500. He's just giving away. He's selling T-shirts right now to go to that center. Ryan Hickman, he's just going around doing good. On a superior level, that's just what Jesus does. You put Jesus in your life, watch out, he might just do some good there. You put Jesus in your thoughts, watch out, the word of God can be there and it can transform you, he'll do good there. You put Jesus in your finances, you put him in your workplace, watch out because all he does is good. That's who he is. But I love the other half of verse 38. The other half of verse 38 said, and he was healing those who were under the power of the devil. He was healing those who were under the power of the devil. What I see is that Jesus, he can bring new healing. I don't know your experience, but the devil, we believe he's real. We believe he can attack. We believe he likes to attack those who are trying the hardest. And I don't know your experience, but I know Martin Luther had experience with the devil. Martin Luther, he said this about the devil. What you need to know, the devil takes no holiday. He never rests. If beaten, he rises again. He labors until he is in us. He uses great cunning and many a plan. When one miscarries, he has another at hand and continues his attempts until he wins. This is our enemy, the devil. Dear friends, one of my favorite things about thinking about being in heaven is being done with the devil. That'll be the day. And while we're not there yet, we have one greater we have one who has crushed the head of the devil. We have one who every time we call on him, the devil leaves. His name is Jesus. And he brings new healing. 
He can bring new healing against the sins that we struggle over. He can bring new healing to our thought life. He can bring new healing to our emotions, I believe. One of my favorite pictures uh, of what Jesus did uh, was my wife's favorite picture. Uh, She showed it to me. Uh, This is what happened on Good Friday. It's kind of graphic. But there is Jesus being nailed to the cross, and the devil is a serpent. His head is being crushed. Dear friends, new healing is possible for you. Greater is the one in us than he who is in the world. I don't know what you're struggling with. He brings new life. I hope that if you need a new season, a new era, he can give it. I hope that he refreshes you today. That he reminds you how dearly you are loved and the price that he paid, that he was willing to pay because you were the joy set before him while he endured the cross. This is ours. So let us leave today uplifted. Let us leave today with new peace and new vigor to change when it's appropriate, to go when we know we need to go so that the whole world may know he is a God for all, for God so loved the world. Amen. Please stand.